We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 633, Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I'm Pat Moran. This is Tone Fox with me. This is our Monday episode. We are talking about a blowout Buffalo Bills victory over uh, the Miami Dolphins. Let me start here because you were actually at the game today, at least most of the game. You left a little bit early. I'm going to throw you under the bus for that. But no problem. (laughs) You were at the game. I listened or I didn't listen. I, I saw quotes from the post game. And Sean McDermott a short while ago. And by the way, we're taping this maybe an hour or two after the game, just for people, you know, whether you're watching this later tonight or on Monday morning, listening in podcast form. Sean McDermott said after the game that for him, that might have been as loud as he's ever heard that stadium. You were there. Would you concur? Yeah. um, As loud as maybe you've ever heard that stadium that early in the season. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, Openers, obviously, super loud. But. It, it just there was just an absolute vibe to today that had a lot to do with the weather, man. Like there, were, it was just this perfect, yeah, fucking day to be at that stadium, to be outside. My son, uh, who I went with, kind of said, you know, it's got kind of a uh, a day at the ballpark feel. Um, it was just it, the climate was just perfect. I mean, you just walked in there feeling perfect you were comfortable you didn't have to rock any layers or anything like that you were just you know it was such a comfortable uh setting and you know you, you mix that with uh with your pre-game and, and stuff like that uh and and the uh the the uh the, the stakes for today's game excuse me um and i think that's i think that's a legitimate case to be made uh that mcdermott mentioned you know and we'll talk obviously some about the stakes from this game i never you know one out of 17 to me is bullshit sometimes and this was certainly one of those weeks the last couple of weeks we've done this show post game especially last week i remember it as vividly every time i tried to bring up a player in a point you said you need to see is against miami and not that you were wrong but that was your stance and you, and you said that over and over again so we'll talk about some of that in just a few minutes here but 
back to that crowd being in the stadium. Did you sense, I mean, look, it's Buffalo fans care about this team. It's always loud, but it was like this game, like the fans needed this game like this. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I mean, I don't fuck this up, but this wasn't just another game for the fans, you know, go to the game, your home team wins, you go nuts. Like this game felt really important to the fans. Did you kind of get that vibe? From walking around some and, be, and being inside that stadium, that oh God, we I really, really, really want this game more than others. Maybe not in the moment, but as you mentioned it, and thinking about you know how um, easy some of these fans are to you know to play the underdog card, especially you know during the off season when um, you know when Bills were taking their hits and stuff like that mm-hmm. in terms of. Uh, you know, AFC East favorites, and certainly during, through the first three weeks of this season, I think, you, you know, a lot of fans felt that way too. And I think what you may have seen was a little bit of, you know, that sort of energy kind of come out like the, Hey, we're, we're, we're an underdog of sorts, certainly not in the game, not in the, not in the betting odds. Um, but you know, you go back, uh, you know, the past few years against Miami was certainly with Tua and, and, uh, a little bit of McDaniel as well. And the, the Bills are usually what? About a touchdown favorite in this football game yeah. in, in that stadium, right? Yeah. Um, not today. Today it was under three. And under three kind of says, mm, we're not, uh, I'm not sure, you know, you're the better team. We're going to give you a two and a half because you're the home team, but I'm not sure you're the better team. And look, anyone who's looking at, um, you know, these two teams through through a lens strictly of the first three weeks of the season could easily come to that conclusion i know i did i know i did i know i went into this game saying to myself i'm not sure you know we're we're the better football team right now you You said that last week too and 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 what they proved today um is that at least on on this day and probably um man for man all right, rostered, roster to roster, they are the better football team still, us. Um, and today we made it look like the gap isn't as near as as, as some people do. Like, look, I'm, I'm not a, a, a arrow up, arrow down guy or anything like that. No offense to anyone who goes with that. It's a way to build a narrative about a football game. Sure. All right. But if I'm going to be, if I'm going to throw out a game ball today, I had this thought probably as early as midway through the second quarter. All right, Brandon Bean's getting one. Okay, the better football roster won today. The better football roster won today. That's how I feel. And it's even, you can even make the point further, uh, obviously, when we start to talk about the injuries and the fact that even though a terrific, terrific football player went down for us, we're not fucked. All right, we're not fucked. We had a terrific football player not able to go today. And not to say that Taylor Rapp really did did much, but we we were able to, to, to overcome that. All right, mm-hmm. we we were able to overcome that, and we're getting—I mean, we're getting plays from like our our, our our fifth defensive end and shit. Who else is who else is getting sacks from their from their fifth defensive end? Yeah. All right, the better roster won today. Um, shout out Brandon Bean uh, because you know there are certain days where you know you can even though he's 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 more of the uh, the focal point in the off season. I like to look at a game and, and think about the, the way the roster was built as it related to this game. And today uh, our roster was significantly better. The depth of our roster was significantly better. Um, and, and at the quarterback too. 
I don't know how you could answer the bell better than the Bills did today. You know, for I think the verdict was out on them. It was out on them from you. It was out on them from people who covered the team, people who followed the team. A lot of people were picking Miami. I know the Bills were favored to win the game, a small favorite, but everything I saw on Twitter, like Miami was getting like 60 to 70 something percent of the bets. The money line was going on Miami. And if they would have won, look, a win, a win against Miami would be huge no matter what. But if they win 48 to 45, it's like, well, the defense, I'm worried about them. Or if they win an ugly game, 20 to 17, you got questions about the offense. Like this roster today, everything about it was firing on all cylinders. Maybe not defensively in the first couple of possessions, but man, did they buckle down after that. And, you know, they they played great defense. I just don't know how you answered the bell better than, than you did today. I, I thought the Bills could win. I was pretty confident, actually, that the Bills were going to win this game. But if you would have told me they were going to win 48-20, I would have said, no way, man. It's just, they answered the bell in every way that you could answer it today. It, it was fun to watch. As a fan, especially, it, it was just fun to watch. They didn't just answer the bell today, though. They answered the bell coming off of a lot of question marks in their uh, from their season opener. Yeah, and that's where I give them. That's where I get them credit. They've answered the bell and they've played <laughs> near flawless football for three straight weeks. Yeah, you know, now being at the game, um, I watched it on TV, and Tony Romo was I, who I thought. I don't know. Some fans still hate him. Whatever. I'm a Tony Romo guy. I think I think he's good, and he had some really good points that he talked about throughout the game. And one of them, and I want to ask if you agree with this, is in hindsight now, um, Tony Romo thinks losing Buffalo losing to, to the Jets in week one was actually the best thing to happen to them. Based on the last three weeks, I don't know, man. Maybe he's not wrong. You know, you don't want to lose a game. Don't get me wrong. But you lose week one and you learn a lot. Like I, Josh Allen just <laughs> looked like the same quarterback that he did in week one. Now, you know, there's not a lot of defense as good as the Jets either. But... God damn, dude. I mean, do you agree with that? Do you see that that maybe losing that game was the best thing to happen to them? Well, yeah. I mean, God forbid you fucking set aside five minutes and find us talking about that exact clip in the first, uh, you know, the, the first episode of the year. I mean, we talked about that, you know, we talked about it. All you got to do is just go grab the clip and, you know, you could play it and I'd be able to catch my breath for 30 seconds. Um, yeah, man. I, I, you know, I think we both agreed on it then and Romo making the point now, um, you know, certainly works. The only thing I said then, and I'll echo it now is it's still very, very early. All right. You know, did the wake up call come too early? We have seen in, in the past several years, uh, of seasons to take on their own identity. We have seen the Bills playing great football at the right time. We have seen them playing not their best football at the time when you need them to be. We have seen a lot of seasons take on their own identity. We're only a quarter away through this one. Um, you know, it's it's early identity is a, a hiccup on opening day. Um, you know, seemed to right the ship immediately in the three consecutive convincing wins. And the story will continue to be built upon, um, you know, over the next few weeks. Four losses in the last 21 games over, the, you know, a quarter of this season and 17 games last year by 11 points total. Four losses, two of those were in overtime, too. This is just a team that finds a way to win. Um, yeah, and, and winning these three games in convincing fashion. There was I don't even think there's been a moment over these last three games where you thought, you know what, we're going to be in trouble. 
even though Miami, again, offensively came out on fire, as you would expect today. What was your confidence level going into today on Sunday as we taped this? I know what it might have been like during the week, but like, how did you feel when you woke up on Sunday morning? Because I'm going to tell you, I, I felt good. I, I really did. How'd you feel going into this game? Coin flip football game all day really? long. Yeah, man. Yeah. Same as same as I did going into the Jets. Felt the Jets was a coin flip. Felt today was a coin flip. You get down under, uh, you know, to a field goal or less, and that's that's pretty much going to be my position. I'm not, you know, going to put myself out there, not for fear of being wrong, just because I, I I think the betters usually have it right. I think the odds makers usually have it right, and I think this was, um, you know, a coin flip game. Now. I said this last week, actually, about the Washington game, whereas if I was a shooter and saw a seven-point favorite um, when it came down to the Bills roster and, and, and Washington's roster, especially at the uh, at the quarterback spot, I would have been kicking myself probably for not pounding the Bills, you know, minus, mm -hmm. the, you know, minus the seven. You could say the same thing today. You, you, you could say the same thing today because there are people that, although it's a very homer take, Okay, there are people that looked at these two rosters and said, you know, we're, we're still better, man. We're just flat out still better. We're deeper. You know, we're we're just, you know, a lot of people felt like the window was closing. So you, you got people out there worried that the window is closing or you've got, you know, national media talking about the window closing. And then you've got people that are trying not to sound like a homer, but looking at this team like, man, I'm not sure the roster's ever been better. Yeah. Today, we saw that. Today, we saw, you know, what, what this roster can do one through, I don't know, how many did they dress? 51, whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, like, they get contributions all over the place, man. All over the place. They do. And they did today as well. I agree with you. And I, I say, based on this week, you know, going back to the Jets, I just, not me, a lot of people, it just doesn't feel like a good matchup for Buffalo. Historically, recent history, I don't mean like historically all time, but recently, the they just had the Bills number. Conversely, I, I think people... Didn't give Josh Allen and the Bills enough respect this week because he has played exceptionally well now for years against the Miami Dolphins. And I didn't pay much attention to the pregame picks. I, I'm willing to bet money, though, that Miami, um, more people picked Miami. I know the CBS pregame show, they had their upsets of the week, and two of the four picked Miami as the, the upset of the week. But anyway... It shouldn't even be allowed to be considered an upset of the week. I know. I mean, it's it's three points or under. Yeah, that's not, not really enough. an upset. I had to, I did, dug up the numbers. Josh Allen's last three games, this isn't against Miami, this is his last three games since that Jets debacle in week one. 72 of 94, 77% completion percentage, 812 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception, and that one interception was against Washington on third down, that bomb that was essentially a punt and two mm -hmm. rushing touchdowns. He's been... He's probably going to win AFC Offensive Player of the Week for a second time in three weeks since that Jets game. I just, again, I said it a few minutes ago. How do you answer the bell better than that? He's going to win AFC Offensive Player of the Week two times in three weeks since. Yeah, but you didn't dig them up. They were actually right there the whole time. Yeah. Were, like right yeah. there on your screen. Well, I dug them up and wrote them down. I got you. Okay. All right, here's what I got. It here's what I got on on Josh, and and, and it's kind of piggybacking uh, the point with you know Bean and roster building and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think today's game script, all right, as far as, you know, our ability to run the football when we got up, you know, 31 to 31 to 20, um, or when they got to within 31 to 20, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think about Dayball teams and I love Brian Dayball as an OC man. All right. But Dayball would be like, Oh, oh you know, that's cute. You're going to get to within nine points. All right. I'm going to drop a bomb on you and make <laughs> you, and make you go do it again. All right. You yeah. know, Dayball used to do that shit. McDermott's a little bit of a different cat. All right. McDermott manages the game differently. McDermott doesn't want to go, you know, deflate you over the top and make you come do it again. I'm sure he'd love to. But McDermott wants to go kind of into his four minute offense. All right. He wants that. He wants to take some time off the clock. He wants to mm-hmm. take a two score lead in the third quarter. And instead of just saying, go ahead, it, it, I mean, Dayball's way is kind of the the the, the macho way, you know, it's a, the ballsy way. Go ahead. You're never going to match us drive for drive. Just try it. Just try it. We're just going to, we're just going to come out and do it again, whatever we feel like. Th- those, those years were fun. Those years were fun. But I don't think those are McDermott's recipe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would say that, you know, the way that Dayball did things, uh, you know, ever really came uh, kind of bit us in the ass. I don't, I don't know that they did. All right. At least if you look at the games that ended our seasons, you know, I don't know that we were bit in the ass by being too aggressive offensively or not giving our defense a rest or, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But I just, I, I think McDermott has a different approach to it. And I think when McDermott's got an 11 point lead in the middle of a third quarter, Okay, McDermott wants to be able to use all three of his running back. He wants to move the chains. He wants to take a little bit of air out of the stadium, and um, and that's exactly that's exactly what they did today. I think this was, you know, just it, this epitomized what uh, you know a, a a big win in in Sean McDermott's eyes look like it, it was it was a i I'm, I'm so hesitant to say it was a mcdermott wet dream because it's like not funny at all but it was bro all right it was it was it was the mcdermott blueprint today he wants to be able to run the football when he's got the lead and they this is the first time in a while they've had a they've had a football team that could do that and by the way look if we're going to you i or anybody for that matter if you're going to sit there and put ken dorsey on blast when the offense looks like shit you know, if you're going to blast Sean McDermott, is you know, is he really doing a good job calling the plays? If the defense hit plays bad, which we haven't seen this year, so we really don't know that. Not in 2023, anyway. But these guys deserve a hell of a lot of fucking credit today. I thought both coordinators, if you want to put McDermott's defensive defensive coordinator, was fantastic. That Bills first couple drives, mixing in the run, that that pass that uh that Ken Dorsey dialed up for Gabe Davis for that touchdown. The guy was in motion. Miami didn't see that coming. Um, I thought Sean McDermott did a great job of some blitzing, a little more aggressive. He was not going to get beat deep. That's one thing I could tell about this defense today. You asked me when you sh- came over to uh, my house here, how Taylor Rapp looked from, from what I saw. And I, you know, didn't really notice him too much. He missed time to jump where I think he could have had an interception, but he certainly didn't kill the Bills defense. But I think he was just playing center field a lot. He was not, they were not going to let Waddle and Hill get behind them and, and, you know, score a one play, you know, 76 yard touchdown. That just wasn't going to happen today. He was going to make two going up and down the field. Anyway, I just thought McDermott did a great job of 
mixing it up, blitzing, dropping guys back, infusing to a little bit. They got to him four times. He only been sacked one time in the first three games. Sacked him four times, two turnovers uh, the defense call, um, caused. I just thought this was an extraordinary game. Maybe the best game I've seen from Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator. Um, just everything seemed to work. Running the ball, throwing the ball, guys were open. You got to execute, of course, the players. But, man, I just I, – I really enjoyed the coaching today. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, I uh... – you know, I, I I jumped on the McDermott bandwagon as far as, um, you know, the game script and just mm -hmm. the, the general uh, tempo uh, up to two scores in the third quarter. But yeah, prior to that, it, a big part of of uh, getting up those two scores and certainly a big part of going three for three on the first three drives of the game. I mean, this was a this was a Madden game for the first five drives, man. I mean, but it was, was fun though, was it? It was. Yeah, yeah, sure, but. I, it was a blast. It was a blast, but you knew it was gonna it was gonna start to take the shape of all right now. Who who what defense you know makes the first stop? Who who um, doesn't hold serve first? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you know in this case, um, you know the Bills. I mean, once they once they got that first stop, they they really seemed to second. Um, yeah, man, they seemed to you know to dominate that. Uh, that particular part of the part of the game. And it was, it was huge, man. It was huge, but Dorsey got us. Look, Dorsey's, I of course always have to, you know, make some sort of uh, astute comment amongst my section. I'm definitely not the guy who's like, come on, get up, get up. Not that guy, but I will try to make an astute observation. Yeah. And uh, I, I think after the third touchdown, it might've been into the second quarter by then, but I was just like, this is, and I, and I say it loud enough because I want to make sure that, you know, you can hear me like six rows away. You know, this has been Ken Dorsey's best quarter of, of, of play calls since he's been here. So, you know, then I look for people to turn to me like, well, oh, yeah, you know, great point, man. Do you have a podcast? <laughs> yeah, but that's how I felt about Dorsey. He looked great. Um, and, uh, you know, early on, they were just humming, obviously. First play, mostly scripted, probably. Or I'm sorry, first uh, drive mostly yeah. scripted, um, and it seemed like they just they had, um, you know, a lot of plays dialed up that, uh, you know, that 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 were worked on. I mean, the the um, the one on one to Knox. All right, that's not obviously we're we're all going to go crazy for Knox for lowering his lowering his head and Javon Holland too. Get, that's a great safety. He getting the extra, him. getting the extra, you know, three to five yards. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, man. All right, that that play got that that play wasn't a check down. Okay, that that wasn't me meant to go to the right and then a check down to Knox. That was a play designed to put Knox, a, you know, a big, strong, athletic, offensive skill position guy. All right, in a little bit of a secondary role now. Mm -hmm. That was a play to get him the football and see if he could go truck somebody for an extra three or four yards, put us in a second or third and manageable. Those were those. It's the first time this year I can really remember it it working that way. All those dink and dunks, uh, you know, the smoke and mirrors type of plays that would go to Deontay Hardy, you know, maybe coming off the uh, uh, off the edge, off uh, out of motion or something like that. Those were like three to five yard duds through the first several weeks. Mm -hmm. This week, though, some of the you know some of the inside uh, ten yard dial ups. 
um, really seemed to work. And and that's Dorsey taking a step. That's are we are we starting to see the evolution? You talked about that last week. Are we week. starting to see the evolution of twelve personnel and and what it what I think McDermott wants it to look like? I think I think this is the first time McDermott's really had the opportunity to both dictate offense and defense. You know, he had powerful coordinators in the past. He had powerful coordinators in the past with Dayball and Fraser. I'm sure he had some say. I'm sure he had plenty of input. But right now, the way the Bills are playing offense and defense is exactly what Sean McDermott wants them to be doing. I loved that Dawson Knox catching and running over of Javon Holland. Again, who's one of the better safeties in the league. I feel like it set a physical tone for the game, and it matters. And I keep coming back to what you talked about with Brandon Bean and just this roster and contributions from everybody. Latavius Murray was very good again. He had that 30-some yard run early on, caught a 22-yard pass. That was designed. That's another play I want to bring up. You talk about, you know, I, I mentioned the Knox play being, I think, more of a design mm -hmm. than a check down. I think that was true of the Murray uh, 22-yard reception as well. I, I believe that that was a four-receiver set totally designed yeah. to be a check down to Murray, the bigger back against the uh against the smaller uh, against the smaller defenders. Right. That's the shortest the sort of shit I don't think we were seeing from Dorsey early on. I think it was it was a lot of Hardy, it was a lot of Kincaid, it was a lot of trying to get those two going in in positions of uh of yak yards and things like that. Today though it 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 had a different feel. It was like let me get a couple big men out there in space on the smaller defender and mm -hmm. that's a nice that's a nice adjustment. Those two plays in particular come to mind because I I really feel like the Murray play was not a checkdown. I believe that was a four receiver set designed to go to Murray the whole time. And it I liked what Deontay Hardy, he had a really nice play. Caught there's, probably, there's probably a soundbite out there that's like totally wrong. Like somebody asked Josh about that play. And Josh was <laughs> like, no, nah, you just saw Murray in the flat. Like I'm probably saying that right now if somebody's got uh, you could be GR right. on completely wrong. I think I am right, though. I think I am right. I think that play was designed to be a check down to Murray. I think we saw, um, you know, Dorsey create things more today for more people today, um, you know, than he has the last few weeks. You know, Shakir, the first last couple of weeks, I should say, made big plays and limited snaps. Hardy made a really nice catch on a low ball from Josh Allen, got up and got the first down. That was big. So, yeah, contributions from lots of guys has been big. Yeah, that started that game, though. Even if it was just for five minutes, I kind of removed, like, the fandom from it. I was just enjoying that game. And I was – I had tweet deck open, so I was looking at tweets from everybody was in on that game, man, early on. I seen, like, AFC championship game kind of vibes. I mean, somebody, a couple people – we're tweeting about that. I mean, forget that the Chiefs are in the conference. But anyway, it was fun. But yes, that's second quarter. So Buffalo, eight plays, 75-yard drive, bam. Miami comes back, eight plays, 77-yard drive, bam. Buffalo comes back, touchdown, bam. Miami comes back, bam. Buffalo comes back, bam. Five straight touchdowns. And then from there, the Bills defense took over that second quarter, which was the difference in the game. Three straight stops. And then on the fourth one, a forced fumble by Matt Milano, who I remember saying last week didn't really do anything, but he wasn't needed last week. I, I specifically mentioned that. Well, he played like an all-pro linebacker today. I thought I thought he was absolutely sensational. Anyway, he forced the fumble. Terrell Bernard, who just has that nose for, for the football right now, he falls on it. Bills score again, and, you know, it's on, man. So that second quarter to me was the ball game.
Yeah, fumbles are one of the weirdest plays to really uh, to know what the hell's going on when you're there, especially if it's if it's wide side, mm-hmm. man. When you see, like, I have no idea who forced fumble, no idea who recovered it. I'm just watching a bunch of hands go this way, and I'm waiting for the ref to, you know, to make the call. But um, I, I trust that you know that that you're right that it was Milano. I, I don't know why well, I, why, I, why I didn't pick up on the on the on the replay. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about being at the games where if it's you know if it's a scrum, it's just you're fucked. You, yeah. you have no clue. You're just you're you're just waiting for the referee's hand <laughs> at, at that point. You know when you're watching on TV, you can kind of see a ball be recovered in a scrum. Right. If you're in the stands, you got no prayer unless it's you know unless it's out in the open. You got no prayer of knowing how a ball got the you know got got uh, recovered in a scrum. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I feel like week after week, we, we have Bill's recaps and it takes to this part of the show about halfway through to even talk about Stefan Diggs. And I mean, this guy, what he does for this team is just unbelievable today. He was, uh, what's that saying? A man amongst boys. He legit was, I mean, that second touchdown, he just refused to get tackled. And then I got to look the dude's name up and I don't mean to be disrespectful. Cater Kahu, I think or something like that is his name. That number four for Miami. That was like that third touchdown. He cooked him so bad. He cooked him so freaking bad, man. But six catches, a buck 20, three touchdowns. Just another absolutely uh, dominant game from Stefan Diggs. You saw the animation on the sideline getting the fans fired up. I don't know, man. It seems a long way removed from this offseason where I feel like there was fair, legitimate concern that maybe Stephen A. Smith ain't lying. Maybe Stefan Diggs doesn't want to be here. He, you know, maybe he does have beef with this organization. Maybe he thinks that this team won't get over the hump. That's the way, you know, it kind of felt a handful of months ago. But I mean, damn, man, this dude is just unbelievable. He is making play after play. And you know, those last two touchdowns today, just they, they, I don't know, man. They really highlight the type of uh player that he is. Just one of the best in the league. Just another dominant performance and he's been great again all four games he's he's been great it's just it, it, it's amazing to me how steph can put the numbers up that he does with um so much of it coming in the intermediate range uh, i mean yeah. you know the, 
Back to back weeks, though, he's he's gotten behind somebody on long passes and doesn't get the credit for the yards because they're but he's drawn long pass interference penalties right. back to back weeks. But yeah, you're right. And yeah, I can't. I just uh, today's one of his touchdowns today. I think it was. I don't know. I think it was the second. It's the worst, worst display of tackling of a, of a receiver <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. That guy, who came, that guy who came in second. Just now, look to you know, it may have worked out in Steph's benefit because sometimes, man, and I think it's smart. All right, I, I compare it kind of to the way Thurman was, you know, when Thurman, instead of taking that big hit, would would head out of bounds. You know, I think Steph gives himself up from time to time. Like, yeah. I, I, look, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna, you know, risk a fumble for an extra couple of yards. All right, Steph is very protective of the football, and sometimes. You know, that's that's a product mm -hmm. of uh, of giving himself up a little early, which I'm fine with. Perhaps, perhaps these corners and the second one getting into the, uh, uh, you know, getting to the point of attack in particular may have may have kind of had that in their back in the back of their mind. Like, hey, this isn't someone who, you know, fights for an extra few yards. Nothing, nothing against Steph because he he has he can fight for those yards. But at times he's like, all right, man, I've I've, I've made the catch. I'm, I'm heading down. And, you know, Steph definitely uh, definitely fooled him on this one, man, because that guy that man just came in like, you know, that like that play was over. And yeah. uh, and all of a sudden Steph's you know, I mean, come on, man. When, when have we ever seen that? He, you know, he breaks free for an extra 30 yards after catch breaking tackles. That's just not who he is. That's just not who he is. And, you know, he did it today and uh, probably caught Miami by surprise a little bit. But also, I think you can you can certainly point to the fact that he was just in his own and, and that's what he was bringing today. Um, by the way, going back to the defense in that second quarter, Miami ran 12 plays and three punts, a fumble and only got 35 yards in the second quarter where again i think that game was kind of uh made there in the second quarter yeah stefan a big game gabe davis you know a lot of hype and talk about him going into the season he's quietly playing really well this year three catches 61 yards and a touchdown today two straight games with a touchdown it's funny because again it was a lot of hype about him going in but it's kind of being like ho-hum quietly he's being a a really solid number two receiver for the Bills right now this year. I think the difference is that they are not as dependent upon his production as they were last year. You know, they did they didn't have mm -hmm. they they lose their slot guy going into the season with with Crowder. McKenzie starts starts playing the slot, and and I think you know that was um, I don't think that bode well for for the offense as a whole last year. Just constantly, we were constantly chasing that third option um, at receiver. And Knox did some stuff last year still, but I think a lot fell on Gabe Davis last year that's not necessarily falling on him this year with the likes of Kincaid. And today we see Hardy and, and Sherfield nice with a couple catches. Also did a really nice job setting the edge on a kickoff. I don't know if you remember that one, but he was he was alone on an island on the edge and stayed really wide. And I was just like, man, dude, I, we've got a fourth receiver who's – can catch the football, make plays, and set the edge uh, on a kickoff. I mean, again, again, all right, the roster build, man, the roster build, a fourth receiver um, who's making contributions like that. You, you just don't see a lot of it. But back to Gabe's um, contributions, I think we're just seeing um, 
a guy who's not being asked to to do as much, doesn't have nearly the pressure on him this year that may may have been on him last year because Josh has other options. And so far, so good. You know, Gabe's catching uh, big balls, and he's also, you know, been the ben- uh, beneficiary of some really nice uh, X and O's, X's and O's plays. You know, today's first touchdown was just. I mean, the motion, the ball. Fade. It was a really good, good call. Good shit. Everything about that was was perfect. Uh, at Josh, 21 and 25, 320 yards, four touchdowns, and he ran for a touchdown um, as well. Only four incompletions. One of them was definitely a drop by Shakir. And I'm trying to think. One, I remember Miami played a night, or somebody on the defense made a nice pass breakup. I can't remember the other two, but. He had more touchdowns. He accounted for more touchdowns than incomplete passes today. Um, yeah, that, that, that's just a, a statement. And look, dude, we can't talk about Josh Allen going off and Stephon Diggs going off and Gabe Davis doing so well without talking about this offensive line, who, again, sands the Jets game. They've been really good these last three weeks. They kind of shut down Max Crosby. They kind of shut down Chase Young last week. And this week, I think I told you this when we were bantering before the show, it almost seems like Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb barely even played today. They did nothing in this game for Miami. If I'm a Miami Dolphin fan right now, I'm not really worried about the offense. You kind of ran into a, a hot defense. Things just didn't go your way. But this defensive line just give, gave them zero. At least their two star players gave them zero today. I think Bradley Chubb's biggest contribution in the game was kind of restraining Christian Wilkins when he was going at it with, I don't know, Spencer Brown or one of the offensive linemen. Anyway, two stud or supposedly stud defensive linemen for Miami did shit today. Bill's offensive line was yet again really, really good. They were. Um, you know, you we want to see it for more than a couple weeks. We want to see a, a, a sustained um, level of, of play that that looks like this, you know, well, going three weeks go, is sustained going into midseason. I do, but again, you know, this is, and I know the Raiders had Crosby, but again, they were a little bit of a one trick pony with with uh, with Crosby, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just not ready. Maybe I'm just not ready to give it up. Give it up to the line. Uh, I think it can be very easy to, um, you know, to to hail the lines play when Josh is as elusive as he can be. And I think he had a couple plays a few. Uh, today. Not a lot though. You know, where he had to where he had to get around. And you know, that's the thing though. I did I that improvised pass to James Cook for 48, man. <laughs> and the difference is the difference is, and I'm not saying that it goes back necessarily to last year and the head injuries and things like that. But when when who when Tua's on the run, he's looking to just get the ball yes. out. He's yeah. looking to just get the ball out. When Josh is on the run, he's still looking to make plays. Today, I think we saw the difference between a quarterback who's looking to make plays when he's uh, when he's rushed and a quarterback who's just looking to get the ball out when he's rushed. Tua coming into this game, three weeks in was the early season, and obviously very early season MVP. And I think that should have been unanimous. If I had a vote after three weeks, if you had a vote, I would. I don't see why you wouldn't vote for Tua. I certainly. Will. How do we get a vote? Can we get a vote? I not. Nah, I mean, you podcast. Know, that's no. what I'm saying. Why? 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 It, can we apply? Um, can we just apply for a vote? No. I think we deserve a vote. No. Would you have voted for two as MVP based on three weeks? I have no idea. I just simply wasn't following the league close enough. 
All right. Well, I I'm ready to take it off the rails right now. I'm so billsed out, bro. I am super billsed out. I want to talk about how comfortable your couch is and all kinds of other shit. You you were cat napping before. (laughs) (laughs) No, so it's funny. So my wife's out there getting ready to do stuff, and and my son's cooking in the kitchen. We're getting ready to to start the show soon. And I figured maybe you're just having a conversation or you're on the porch talking or something. I come out and you're yeah, you're cat napping. (laughs) Yeah, it was a comfortable couch, man. And I wish I was still on it. All right, you almost made me lose my train of thought here. Anyway, three weeks in, Tua to me was the NFL MVP easily. He was today shows me that no disrespect to him, he's a good quarterback. He's not on Josh Allen's level. He's just not. Miami does some really good things on offense, timing wise, and with Tyreek Hill more on him in a second. But today just shows me that Josh Allen's just flat out a significantly better quarterback than Tua, and Tua is really good at some things. But if you could take away the timing and stuff like and make him hold the ball longer he's not very good he could have gotten picked off at least he did get picked off by like a hide he could have gotten picked off easily three Trey, times Trey could have gone before he went Trey down six, Trey yeah. could have gone the other way with yep. that thing uh, Taylor well Rapp. thank god we won't have to worry about that anymore because Dane Jackson's gonna make that play next week <laughs> we'll talk about Trey too got to man got 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 to yeah well we're going to let's go to Tyree kill oh okay I'm just I'm like, how much longer before Trey? Like, how much long? How much longer do I have to be here? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Would you rather have been talking about, uh, you know, a 48-20 loss to Miami? This feels good to be out doing this right now after this uh, type of game because I keep it coming d- up with point after point that's positive. If you're a Bills fan watching this shit or listening, I agree. To it. I, I agree, but you know, it's it's dark and musty and 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 like you know, outside it's 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 sunny October day. We don't get a lot of those. Tyreek Hill was a non-factor. Three catches, 58 yards. And this is the third straight week where I said the one player not Miami's different because there were more than just one player. But the player on the team for a third straight week that could turn this game and wreck it would be Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill could win you a game. He did it against the Chargers in week one. Literally, they, they couldn't stop him. He just roasted that secondary, threw the ball up, made plays. Buffalo just, again, credit to McDermott and whatever schemes he had dialed up. Tyreek Hill was not getting deep. Three catches for 58 yards, and he had one run for like 11 yards or something. That's not going to get it done. So again, just great Bills defense against uh, one of the better players in the league. Um, I feel like at least one of those, well, definitely one, uh, maybe two came on the first drive. It, you know, he looked, uh, like he, he got in kind of in between the, the, the linebacker yeah. and safety level, yeah. um, on, on the first drive one time, was he the one, did he make the catch? Um, that w- when you were referring to, uh, rap, uh, misplaying the ball, it, it was to me, no. from my angle, it was a whale of a catch by the dolphin, but no. I don't know who it was. It was, I don't it remember. Wasn't Tyreek. It, was. it, w- it wasn't Tyreek and it was a nice catch, but again, it should have been intercepted. It's just a bad time jump. I mean, it was the same exact play as the secure drop. If you want to call it that it, it was the exact same sure, play, sure, two, two sure. defenders going up, uh, at the high point there. Um, thought that might have been Hill. Guess not. But Waddle he, four catches, forty six yards too. So they really contain their two stars. No, yeah, I, I don't even remember the Waddle catches. Yes, after the first drive, after uh, you know, he he got open in in the second level. Um, you know, at least one time in the first drive. 
it was gone, man. It was just, it, it was gone. Uh, look, Sean McDermott, there are guys out there who come from the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball and end up head coaches and their ego just takes them back to, uh, you know, those, those strengths and feeling as though they, they've got to be responsible for them when in actuality, um, they were really never anything special on that side of the ball to begin with. You know, they had Tom Brady or something like that. You know what I mean? When you talk about yeah. a lot of uh, New England coordinators who who ended up with jobs based upon that. Sean McDermott just seems like a solid, solid X and O guy on the defensive side of the ball, man. And and I, I just don't think anyone – and and. Frazier was well liked. He was well liked, certainly in in the building, and I think in the community as well. Sure, yeah. Um, but I don't think you miss anybody... him on Sundays, though. No, that's what I, I, I mean. That's it, it, I'm not, and I think it, you know people should have been looking at it like from from the perspective of an upgrade because I, I think it is. I do too. So far, anyway, and again, this was a good. High-powered offense has just hung 70 on someone uh, the week before. So this was their first real test. Again, you talked about it a lot last week. You just wanted to talk about this game last week, and now we're here, and now you're bitching about how long the show's going for and all this <laughs> other shit. I'm just having I'm just having a little fun. You know, I like to talk about other stuff, but but <laughs> I am I'm enjoying talking about the Bills. And I I do want to talk about two more players specifically because I thought they were absolutely outstanding. You know, we've talked every week so far since the season started about Brazil making good plays and, and playing well, but the sacks weren't coming. Well, he had two on Sunday. He was awesome, and so was Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver had a sack. They showed one. It was a running play. I don't know if you saw it on replay at the stadium. He put a swim move on whoever the center was so hard. Liam Eckenberg, I think it was. Eckenberg. He put such a, a nasty swim move on the guy. He literally never touched him. He went untouched and hit the running back in the backfield because the center whiffed, literally whiffed on the block. He's He brought pressure, had a couple good hits today. He's been outstanding. He went down. It was a little bit of a scare, but he was right back in the game. Um, Ed Oliver has been and Daquan Jones, too. I mean, I, I got to throw Daquan in there. He's been really good, too. This front four uh, it's, is it's, just dominating right now. You know, are, they, talking- are they the best in the league? I mean, it's uh, can you not make that argument? Can you, I mean, forget about the front. And Ron Miller's about coming the, back. Yeah, so I mean, it, just let's just expand right. it to defensive line because one of the reasons, and we talked about this, one of the reasons maybe why Oliver – is is fresh and making the sort of plays that he's making this year is because we go four deep there this year again another mm-hmm. Puna another Puna Ford scratch, um, and we're going to have the probably not next week against Jacksonville, but in two weeks we're going to have the debate over, you know, which end is going to take a seat when Vaughn comes back. But man, I mean, one through eight, one through nine, w- whatever they are, who's better? Who's better? Uh, I don't think anyone's deeper. I think we've seen maybe the other two candidates. I'm, you know, maybe I'm forgetting about somebody, but Washington is front four is ferocious. And I mean, the Bills just dominated that. And then the Jets, who, you know, they definitely got the better of the Bills offensive line in week one. That Jets front four is very much real. I don't think anyone's deeper than the Bills, though. Floyd Miller Rousseau, come on, find me three better, one through three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's now, mind you, all right. 
were a little long in the tooth amongst those three, maybe a little unproven in the one who's, mm-hmm. you know, not long in the tooth. Uh, but still, right now, uh, at the way Floyd and Rousseau have been playing, and if Miller comes back to the level that he was at last year, I, I am not Homer guy. I, I'm not. Right. But I, I'm also not very dialed in, you know, to the other uh, other defensive right. lines in the league. Me, but, yo, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find three any better. And it's – and and, and the is not dressing, and he's not a bad defensive tackle. He's pretty damn good. He is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I still, I still think he's going to be. Earning his key, though. He's going to be a run-heavy guy. Like, like if, if I, I, Ford is Daquan Jones' insurance. Daquan Jones's yeah. injury last year in the you know leading up to the Cincinnati playoff game, I think hurt a lot. They, they gouged us uh, oh. between between the tackles. Um, I don't think the Bills were going to come out and tell you that Puna Ford. Is Daquan Jones insurance because Puna Ford ain't gonna sign here to be Daquan Jones right. insurance. But at the end of the day, um, I think that's exactly what he's become. it just it speaks to your your opening point about this roster depth, right now. Just Puna Ford can't even get in the insane lineup. Insane depth, Kyler, insane depth. Kyler Elam, who will be in the lineup going forward. I mean, he doesn't suck. I mean, he's they don't trust him, but he's not garbage. He'd be in, he would. He might not start for other teams, but he would be on that field. He may not almost start any other team. He still may not start for He's this not. one, He's even not. after you know. Uh, it, listen, that, that that injury ruins what otherwise would have been almost a perfect yeah, day. Yeah. And by the way, this Bills offense to me, the only time I can ever remember a Bills offense in recent memory playing like this was New England in the playoffs, where they just did whatever they wanted to. This almost was similar. What did the Bills punt once today? And I don't know what happened at the oh, very end of the game. Oh, it was a nice punt. It was, a, it was actually yeah. it was a, it was a really nice punt yeah. where where Martin. Uh, yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, man, it may have been a punt that mattered. It might have been like uh, you know still in that 21 14 uh, range of of scores when when Martin buried him inside the five in the second quarter. I'm pretty sure it was pretty late in the second quarter when it happened. But yeah, they only punted once. They got. There was a stat, and Miami still does because they didn't. They were just turning the ball over. But it's crazy how many more touchdowns this year Buffalo has in punts. The Bills got six punts so far in four games this year. Um, yeah, they punted once. They settled for a field goal a couple times. Uh, they were three for three their first three red zone trips, and then they settled for a field goal. Um, yeah, then whatever at the end of the game, I know Kyle Allen was in kneel down. Anyway, my point was this would have been a perfect victory in a perfect week in a perfect game. But unfortunately, we're taping this Sunday, and there's no sense of jumping the gun. But it certainly looks, it appears, like Trey White tore his Achilles, and uh, and that he's done. And, and it's just, um, that's tough, man. That's rough. I thought last year he came back, he tried, and he just wasn't. It wasn't him. He wasn't there. I was really impressed with him this off season. I thought he looked great at camp. The highlight of training camp for me was watching Trey White and Stephon Diggs go on one on one. I thought that carried into the regular season. Yeah, interception last week, dropped the pick six this week, but it was playing really well. And uh, yeah, he drops a non-contact injury. This really sucks. People have been, you know, burying Kyrie Elam. And we're going to find out now. I think we're going to find out anyway what uh what Kyrie Elam's made of. But anyway, just uh this is a devastating injury. And again, you were at the stadium and, and Tony Romo spoke pretty much at length at 
the Bills defense is different when Trey White's in there because you just leave him out there on an island alone. You got this guy and we don't have to worry. The safeties play different. So a lot of shit's going to change now going forward with Trey White out there. And you got Benford and Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam in the mix right now. So that hurts. Big injury. One of the one of the worst injuries that, you know, guys that you could at least afford to lose. I say Trey White probably is in your top five, maybe. Is he in your top five? Let's let's figure this out. Josh for sure. Allen yeah. Diggs Milano right off the jump. Yeah, those are three right away. I'd say Deion Dawkins because he plays left tackle and they don't really have any proven depth. So I would say Deion Dawkins. Uh as much as I love any defensive lineman and there's a lot of talent ones, you just talked about how deep they are. You can overcome that. Um, I don't know. He's if he's he's close, he's right around the top five anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, like a high. I look at one. it, I look at it like this when it comes to uh an injury to a star player. He was upset. Uh, God, it sucked. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't again like I when I was talking about the fumble and not mm -hmm. having a clue what's going on, it took a little while for me to hear. Um, you know, someone behind me talking about it being Trey because your your eyes weren't even on that. Uh, I believe that was a, a a fourth down stop. That might have been the sack on it was fourth sack. down. So you're just you know you're strictly looking in that mix there, and you're like, where the hell, you know, did something happen mm -hmm. down there? And then you see the helmet go flying, and I think that's that's when the uh, the severity of the injury started to. Um, you know, started to present itself, and then you heard it was Trey, and you put that together with the helmet flying, and it, yeah, it took the air out of the stadium a little bit. I look at it this way, though. There's two trains of thought with with that type of injury, an, an injury to a defensive star player. All right, you have you have one group of people that it's 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 doomsday. All right, it's mm -hmm. like you're snake bitten. Now this tends to be you know the more um, you know hypersensitive fan and stuff like that, of which we have many. Um, but it, you know, it's like ah, uh, just shitty things happen. You know that sort of thing. Here it's we go matter. again. Here we go. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you got the other side that is like, well, look, um, they 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 tend to lean on the betting lines. Okay, they tend to lean on the betting lines, and they'll make the point that the injury, even a season-ending injury to a star corner, simply doesn't move the betting line that much in terms of you know a team super bowl odds if they're if they're a super right. bowl caliber team um i'm somewhere in the middle of those of the of those two kind of uh uh deep ended thoughts you know I, I i'm not i'm not doom and gloom because i do think we have the luxury uh of a lot of a lot of depth again you know the certainly the buzzword for today um it's it's not trey white you know, level level of depth. It's not like the same depth as you get on a defensive line where, you know, your guys are in and out, in and out, in and out. Right. Now you're bringing in one or two guys who don't see the field very often, be that Dane Jackson or, you know, and or Kyer Elam. Um, but, you know, it, look, man, betters know a lot of shit. People, people who, you know, make odds and, and stuff like that to, to, to win, you know, their, their employer money. Um, they, they look at everything you could possibly look at. And it's just the, a, a cornerback injury is not going to move that line that much. So how much does it hurt? When will it hurt? 
Um, those are questions still still to be answered. But if you want to be optimistic about it, that's that's where you fall. You fall on the fact that um, it just it, it doesn't change betting odds for them that much. And that says something. I'm worried mostly because, well, I'm worried because you lose a good starter. But I'm also, I, if there's one area, one person on this team who's a starter at this point that I'm still not sold on at all is Christian Benford. Not that he's looked horrible. He hasn't played horrible. Like he hasn't got him roasted repeatedly on any given in any week this season, but I'm just not I don't trust him right now. Yeah, you know, well, Dane, I mean, Dane Jackson is Dane Jackson. That's you know, he's a low end CB2. He's not gonna get you killed more times than not. He makes a good plays. Had a couple nice hits on today's game. Um, you know, you could do worse than Dane Jackson, but you got Jamar Chase coming up on the schedule and some of these guys and CeeDee Lamb. Some of these great receivers, it's just, uh, I don't know. I will say, and look, it's not even confirmed that he's out for the season yet, although by the time people are listening to this, he's done. But anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon B makes a trade. It wouldn't stun me. I mean, this is an area where you could go to a team like, and I don't know corners. I haven't had any time to process or think about it. Sure, some people will this week, but a team that's going fucking nowhere, about Chicago or Denver, Arizona, Maybe there's a good veteran out there that the Bills could get. Um, I would certainly consider it because, again, I'm just – Kyrie Lim has not been good enough to be active this year. Mm. He can't beat out Dane Jackson. He can't beat out Christian Benford. He didn't beat him out of camp, didn't beat him out in preseason, and he hasn't played well enough in practice to overtake any of them on the depth chart until now. He'll be active. He'll probably be the third boundary. I suspect it'll be Dane Jackson and Christian Benford as your starters. But I don't know. With so much talent and depth around this roster – I would love to see Brandon being explored, getting a veteran corner who's still got a little bit of juice left in the tank. Well, I think he's going to use these two weeks to, you know, to figure that out. Uh, yeah. Whether or not Elam sees the field, um, I don't know. It, it, they may not even need to know exactly what Elam could do in this spot. Maybe it's just like, all right, I need to know what, what Benford could do. And then even if Elam can replace Benford, I, I still know I got to do something. Um He's got a couple weeks to make the call. I don't hate the idea of seeing if Cam Lewis, uh, who has gone from boundary corner to safety to nickelback. All right. That's is he, could he possibly make his way back into the mix at boundary corner? I don't um, like him doing anything more than covering kicks. I hear you, man. But you know, he passed. He passed Saran uh, Neal. Uh, you know, for yeah, what I, what I think is, 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 is Taron Johnson's, you know, primary backup. So you know, Cam Lewis has started to you know find his way in the National yeah. Football League. Right? Does that mean that you know he can suddenly head back to you know to a boundary corner? You know, it's kind of the same argument as I want to see Tate Thompson go back to wing with <laughs> with Dylan Cousins in the middle. <laughs> People would think I'm crazy because obviously he's found his way in the uh, uh, in the middle of the ice. But is I don't know. It's an option. All right. Mm -hmm. It's an option. If I got to go find if I got to go kind of re up my my depth of my four, uh, you know, four player depth uh, at, at corner. Um, I'm, I'm hoping maybe it's, it's, it's Lewis, but if they have to go do something, then go do something, man. You cannot let a week, whatever this is for yeah. week four injury derail your season, no matter how good that player is. Yeah. 
Um, well, you know, silver lining, this is an opportunity for Benford and maybe an opportunity for Elam to prove that he's not a first round bust because at this point, that's what we all think. Not saying it yet because he's only in year two, a little bit premature to call him a bust, but it's what he's headed towards. So maybe this might be an opportunity for him to, uh, to prove otherwise. A couple of quick other football things. Um, Cincinnati got smacked by Tennessee today and T Higgins broke his ribs. I got a fra- has a fractured rib. Uh, I didn't watch the game at all. So, I mean, I really don't know how many takes about that game specifically, but you get smacked by Tennessee. That's dude. My point is this, the Bengals are probably one of two teams that I hate playing more than anybody. I hate playing the jets and I hate playing the Bengals. The Bengals are one and three and they're in a shitload of trouble. Joey Burrows, they're not getting it done on offense. Higgins might be down. Um, Earlier or not, you're one and three. You're you're in a lot of trouble. Baltimore's in that division, and they're and they're three and one. They're playing well. Yeah, I mean it's um, one of the things that we've kind of been able to dodge as as Bills fans the last few years of you know having good good football. We certainly didn't dodge it for you know for fifteen or whatever the hell it was. But uh, when we got there. All right. Once when we got there, we haven't really had that fall off yet. A lot of people want to want to beat us up for a playoff performance or two. You know, that's fine. Shit. Even the you know, when when the uh, when the 90s version of of the Bills arrived, they uh, they had that 89 season where they went like nine and seven and had to had to sneak in at the end there. They they had their they had their hiccups. And, And, you know, we we're still capable of being like a, an 11 and six team or whatever. I'm not saying that, you know, it's been 13 and three, 13 and four, whatever, uh, you know, over the course of this era of, of football, but we sure shit haven't, uh, haven't been bit the way the Bengals have, uh, have started this, this season. And I think that's a, a credit to, uh, I think that's a credit to McDermott. He, you know, we, it hasn't gotten away from us to that extent quite yet. I'm really impressed with the job that McDermott's done, by the way, over the first month or so of the season. I want to throw that out there. Last point, Bills. Didn't have any impact in the game, but you know what? Who gives a shit? DeMar Hamlin being active, that is a big deal. First thing I noticed. Yeah, him being active is a big deal, and all I can picture it in my mind because you know there's going to be a movie someday about this, as there should be. It's a, it's an unbelievably great story to tell, but this is like, if it's not the culmination of the movie, this is like one of those climatic scenes at the very end of the movie. Even if he didn't play, you know, he was only play special teams, not a factor in the game, but just to suit up and play and come back from what he's went through. What a, what a great moment just for him personally. For, forget football for a second, just being able to play. Like I said, I could just, <laughs> I see the movie coming down the road and this is going to be one of the biggest scenes in the movie. First thing I noticed on the football field today, all right, if, if I have my way, I basically walk into the stadium right as, like, you know, the Jaws music is playing for a kickoff. I got no use for introductions. I got no use for anything. Um, I, I like to just walk into the stadium and sit down and boom, we're kicking off. And that I timed it perfectly today. I, I had an all-around great day timing yeah, out. Yeah, you talked about I, the traffic when you beat the I just, traffic. I nailed everything. <laughs> um but the first thing I did, I looked down on the football field. Bills were lining up to um, to receive the opening kick, and I saw number three, and he got a, a big hug from, uh, I think it was Terrell Dotson, 20, yeah, uh, 25. Yep, yep. Uh, and another hug, you know, and the other person that was lined up next to him. And, um, yeah, it was oh, it was pretty good, good stuff. My kid was like, oh, you know, I'm surprised they didn't, like, you know, 
do something for him to, you know, with this being his first act game. And I don't really think you can no. when you've been inactive the first few weeks. He's full of shit takes anyways, the kid. <laughs> but but it was I noticed it right away and I'm glad I did. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, a lot of attention on social media and nationally, as it should be. Again, it's just a it's a great story. And this was one of the culmination points of his life, not just his career. So you got Jacksonville next week. And then after that, you got the Giants at home at New England, Tampa at home. There's a legit chance to go run this table to what, you know, what is it? Three and one, seven and one before you play Cincinnati um, on Sunday night. Who again, Cincinnati has been shitty lately. And then you got Denver and New York at home back to back after that. So the schedule's really set up well for the Bills. I know you didn't watch the Jacksonville game today because, uh, you know, you went to the game. I watched that game. I just, I, I, I was hoping to learn more about Jacksonville. The only thing I learned is that Desmond Ritter is just an awful quarterback. Atlanta's got a good roster. That court, he's fucking atrocious though. Josh Allen had three sacks um, and a strip sack too. He He's really good. Uh, I don't feel like talking about Jacksonville. Next, before I let you go, I do actually get a couple of Sabres thoughts from you. Um, Zach, as we take this, because this is dropping on the audio side on Monday morning, and the Sabres are going to make some moves. But I don't think they're going to cut them if, if they do now. But uh, Zach Benson might, he might start the season with Buffalo, man. He's I'm impressed with him. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of preseason hockey and shit, but I watched some of the highlights and stuff. Um, and he skated with Tage and Skinner. And that's been – I thought that might have been like one or two practices during camp just to give the kid a little look-see with the big boys. He's still skating with that line, and Tuck was playing, I think, with uh, maybe with Cousins. But anyway, Zach Benson, first-round pick just a few months ago, he might be starting this, the, the season on this roster. Yeah, I mean, my, my, uh, my ears perked up when people started talking about Benson actually already being a better prospect than Savoy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think people were – that was, you know, meant to – uh, take away from, uh, you know, Savoy's ceiling at all. I just think, and this isn't just, this wasn't just local Sabres Twitter. You know, there were people doing, um, you know, uh, charts of of uh, prospects and things like that. And, and people were putting Benson uh, as a higher long-term, uh, you know, um, long-range prospect than even Savoy. So with that in mind, when he came to camp, and started to impress early on, I then, of course, leaned on, you know, Sabres Twitter a little bit that um, said, hey, this is real. I mean, it's just, it's it's real. Everything he's doing on the on the four check and, and uh, um, you know, just going into those, those mucky areas and stuff like that, all those hockey cliches, you know, everybody's saying he's doing what needs to be done. And it's like, all right. Well, you know, with with no Quinn um, and, and, you know, a guy like Ola, it, it comes down to do you want the, the $5 million guy that, that everyone kind of wanted out of here in, in Victor Olofsson? You mm -hmm. might end up with both. But just, right, it, you know, as, as, for comparison's sake, what would you rather have? Would you ra rather have the, vet, the veteran who you know what the ceiling is or you also know what the limitations are? Or are, are you ready to just are you ready to just you know throw caution to the wind uh, with the kid you know first year burning first year of of entry contract nine be games damned. he can play and nine be, he can play nine games so that he might get a, a nine game audition where he can play nine burn games it. 
And you don't, well, after nine games, you burn the first year. Just burn it. All right. I mean, look, if he belongs. Right. Burn it. Well, people from, from what I, from hockey people that I follow, the, the concern is about a kid that young and still developing is that he might be all right early on, but the grind of an 82 game NHL season against NHL professionals may be too much for somebody his age. But I do think he's got an excellent chance to at least get that nine game audition where it, he doesn't burn the first year of his, uh, of his ELA and then he would, but he couldn't play in Rochester. He'd have to go to uh WHL and play. But I've also heard Brandon Byro is, is got a legitimate chance to make this roster. Don't know much about him. I do know that if this, if the Sabres tried to uh, send him down to Rochester, he'd have to clear waivers. So this guy might've played his way into uh making the roster or someone's going to pick him up type of um thing. Yuri Kulik. And again, <laughs> like hockey experts right now, we're not as locked in. As we will be soon enough, um, not with preseason anyway. But uh, Yuri Kulik is a guy that I thought a couple months ago, I was like, this guy is going to be the guy to make the team and make an impact. But sounds like he's had a quiet camp in preseason, and he'll probably go back to Rochester, which he should for for you know to get some more seasoning. These guys are still so young, dude. That's the whole thing. They're stacked. Yeah, they are, man. They're stacked, man. They're stacked. And last point, Devin Levi looks really good. I, I think he's legit. Like I just see star potential in him. I mean, the Sabres' success is, looks like it's going to ride on him because he's your guy, and UPL is not that guy, man. They showed it last year. When when Granado went back to him on, like, back-to-back -back nights um, when, you know, we still had some playoff hopes. Sure, yeah. Granado showed his hand last year, and, and when Adams, uh, you know, talked at, at the end of the season and early this year and stuff like that, they didn't talk about him – developing anywhere but the nhl you know they didn't mm -hmm. they didn't hand him anything but you know they they, they didn't talk about a, a curve that included rochester and i think that was telling i think i think the sabers were ready to give it to him um yeah they were ready to give it to him from the jump they were yeah. ready to give it to him from the jump. Yeah. All right. L last point here. And I'll have Joe Yurden on the show, by the way, tomorrow. I'm going to dig into the Sabres more with uh, with Joe, of course, who covers the team. 11 days left before the regular season starts well, when this drops anyway. Obviously, does Zach Benson stick around? I think that's the number one storyline. But over these next 11 days or so, is there one player or one specific thing that you're looking to to learn about or find out more than more than anything else? Not really, man. I, I, I'm looking to see what uh, what sort of moves are made because I do think it's still possible that, um, you know, guys like Olafson and UPL could be on the move because I, I think uh, I think yeah. Comrie right now, is, you know, got the got the inside track on the backup uh, mm -hmm. uh, on the backup spot. And I think that, you know, um, I think Olafson's still someone that was never in, meant to be in their plans uh, until until Quinn went down, right? And um, and now that Benson has has kind of made the uh, you know kind of made the Quinn injury at least a little more palatable. If if in fact we're going to replace that young stud with a with a brand new young stud. Then where do we really fit it, Victor Olafson in? So I, I'm interested to see the largely just see what the roster moves look like as they near um, 
you know, whatever it's called in the NHL cut down day or whatever. And, and if it's going to take, uh, you know, a, l- a little bit of, of uh, trade maneuvering to get the better younger guys here, or if they're going to roll out, um, if they're going to roll out Olafson and, uh, and, and UPL at, as a third goal. I mean, are they going to do that again? Could they possibly do that That's, again? It's going to drive people crazy. Including me. If they do that. Look, if they're very close, if they're just if they're just a matter of uh you know, some some back end compensation away on what the trade might look like for a UPL and you got to keep them on the roster, fine. All right, but I, I don't think you're you're rolling into the season for any extended period of time with three cuz that got messy last year and it, you know, it just doesn't seem to to be the right yeah, I, I'm. I don't know that I'm looking forward to any one specific thing, but one thing I definitely hope happens. I don't want to see three goalies on this roster. I really hope that they don't keep UPL on the roster and have three goalies just because of what you think at this point his potential may be. To me, if you think Comrie has clearly outplayed him, and if Comrie should be the number two, wave him or send him to waivers if he gets to Rochester. And if somebody claims him, they claim him. I just, I mean, you got, you got your number one goalie for years to come. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not keeping three guys. I hope they don't keep three goalies on the roster again. That's the one thing I don't want to see. Yeah. I, I, I wish maybe we could just get some sort of veteran guy. Yeah. Some that could, that could, I don't know, maybe Cooley. I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I still want a third layer of, uh, of, of, of insurance in goal uh, because mm-hmm. of Comrie's or I'm sorry, um, Levi's age and experience level Comrie's inconsistency. It, it, like there, there's something about just having a third somewhere in the organization. Um, you know, if someone should get, if someone yeah. should get dinged and, just and not, in, and, not and on the just, active roster. Though. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And now it's, it ends up being like Michael Hauser or Devin Cooley or some shit. If it's not UPL, I just, I felt better about UPL. I, I, I honestly, I felt like Levi and UPL sh- would would be the Me tandem, too. and then and then no one would want, you know, Comrie's one point eight mil or whatever, and Comrie would be the good soldier who goes down. Mm-hmm. And are we rushing a little bit because UPL just let in a shitty goal or two the other day? Is it? Are we? And you know, are we right to be giving it to Comrie right now? Um, maybe not, but. Comrie's look good. UPL's look bad. It's about halfway through the preseason. So and, and what is, other what other conclusion are you going to draw? It's also preseason and only a couple. What are they at? Two starts each, maybe, I think, in the preseason. Like, maybe the Sabres just aren't going to put every all the stock into two starts in the preseason, and they feel better about they know who these goalies are. Uh, going to get out of here. Do you, any final Bills take or observation from this game either that we didn't talk about or something that you think is, is like, your biggest point of uh, – of emphasis because you did say these last two weeks, you know, after the Jets lost the next two games, you didn't call them gimmies, but they really weren't going to tell us much about this team. But you said this week would. So based on that, where are you at with this team? That's how we'll get out of here. I'll ask you, where do you think we're at with this team right now? And if there's one or two like main talking points when it comes to this team, for me, it's McDermott. I think the job he did on defense these last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm really confident in him but what about you i mean i i actually don't know who's left amongst the undefeated in the nfl and all, all that all that kind of stuff that drives uh power rankings and and things like that um but this team belongs right back Frisco. in okay yeah 
I'm still I'm still betting on Josh Allen over Brock Purdy. This team belongs right back in the conversation of of uh, AFC favorite. All right, guys, and on that note, I'll be back with Joe Yerding tomorrow. Take care.